Welcome to Prairie Craft Almanac, a podcast exploring craft, nature, and simple creative living. I'm Leanne, and today I'm musing on a better alternative to the lawn as we know it. I also wanted to share some podcasts that I think you'll enjoy and talk about what's been going on in the Moth and Rust Handmade Studio. It's almost autumn. Almost autumn is a time of year in mid-August when it's still hot as all get out, but I can suddenly feel that autumn is indeed on its way. There's just something about the light, especially in the morning and toward evening, that feels so very different than it did just two weeks ago. Autumn might be my favorite season. I say might because if you ask me in late winter, (laughs) my favorite season will obviously be spring. But after a hot, humid summer, I am so ready for fall. But I also tend to feel this almost giddy sort of panic in the fall, which I don't entirely understand, unless it has something to do with the impending winter. And I feel especially wound up right now because I had so many plans for new designs and specifically some Halloween-themed projects, but here we are in mid-August and I still haven't done anything with that. So I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety, um, and I know I should just let go of it, but it's there anyway. Also, I've really been wanting to work toward making new content, like new patterns and things for the blog, but then my bloomers went viral on TikTok. I also want to mention I'm not bragging. I am just kind of shocked and surprised and really excited and blown away. (laughs) And I thought this was cool, so I wanted to share it. Anyway, one day a couple weeks ago, I started getting a bunch of orders for one particular style of bloomer. And these were all within like an hour that I got all these orders. Um, it's more than I'd ever gotten in that short amount of time. And so I knew someone somewhere must have shared these bloomers. And then the next day, someone sent me a screenshot of a TikTok that was featuring my bloomers. At the time, the video had over 12,000 hearts and thousands of more views. And it was just really cool and humbling to see that. It was very exciting. Um, so the creator of this TikTok, Mandy, was showing how she styles her bloomers that she purchased from me. Um, And her looks were so cute. She has a lot of style content on her TikTok, um, so do check her out. She's also focused on sustainable style and fashion, which I love, of course. And her username is Old Loser in Brooklyn, which I think is kind of funny um, and also not very accurate because she is neither old nor a loser. But anyway... Do check her out if you're on TikTok or if you're on Instagram, go follow her there because she is also um, there as Old Loser in Brooklyn. Something else I want to share in case you haven't seen it already is that I have finally recorded and published my video about what to do as a craft show organizer and host um, on the day of your craft show. This is kind of a companion video to one I published in February of 2020, and yes, that was probably the worst timing ever for a video like that. Um, When I was making a video about how to plan a craft show, I did not realize, of course, that we would soon all be in lockdown and avoiding human contact. Um, Also, I know the pandemic is not actually over, but since people are getting out more and hopefully getting vaccinated if possible and wearing masks when appropriate. 
I hope. Um, I wanted to get this video out there and done so it would be available. You can find that linked on my website or just go directly to my YouTube channel, which is Moth and Rust DIY. As much as I really do love podcasts, I had not been listening to them very much. I kind of go through these cycles of listening and not listening, and for probably the last year or so, or maybe more, I've mostly just been listening to music when I want to have something playing in the background. But the other day, I went searching for a podcast, and I can't even remember what I was originally looking for, but I happened to notice that one of my favorite podcasts ever, Cast On, was back. Cast On is a knitting podcast, and it's one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Brenda Dane, who is the host and the producer, had quit doing it about six years ago, I think. Um, and from time to time, I would check to see if there was a new episode out. And after a couple of years, I quit checking and figured the podcast was probably done with for good. Well, had I checked a year ago, I would have seen that it is back. This also motivated me to check out some of my other old favorites, like Craft Lit with Heather Ordover and Sustainable World Radio with Jill Cloutier. Craft Lit was, I believe, the first podcast I ever listened to, back in 2007 or 2008 when I first discovered that podcasts were a thing. And it is so amazing, especially if you love not only crafting, but stories. Each episode consists of some craft talk, but then also a reading from a book of classic literature and discussion about the book. This is not only a very well-produced podcast, but also one that's very interesting and lovely to listen to. And it's perfect if you like to learn things, which I think you probably do. Sustainable World Radio is also just packed with tons of incredible information and interviews with plant people. The episodes I just listened to recently were called Grow Your Own Apothecary Garden and The Wondrous World of Living Color, which was, of course, about natural dyeing and natural color pigmentations. Jill has the most interesting interviews with people who are dedicated to their craft and have a lot of experience to share. All of these are also the types of shows I think you could listen to and enjoy, even if you aren't specifically into the topics that they cover. Yes, Cast On is a knitting podcast, but it's also a lot more than that. So if you're not a knitter, you just enjoy creating in general and learning things and listening to other people who have great experiences to share, I would highly recommend checking out any of the shows I just mentioned. Lush, velvety, deep green, and so soft on your bare feet. Is it any wonder most people might assume a lawn like this is a natural part of a healthy ecosystem? If it's growing in green, it's healthy, right? Well, not exactly, and I wanted to talk about that. First off, though, I want to give full disclosure. I, too, possess a good chunk of the very same lawn as many other Americans, a monoculture of non-native grass taking up space that might otherwise be planted with beneficial plants. I'll also say, though, that this lawn never gets watered except for what the Lord sends down, and it never sees harmful synthetic chemicals except for whatever runs off of my neighbor's lawn. I think it's also worth noting that it rarely gets mowed. Okay, now, here are some quick facts about 
the lawn as most of us know it. The EPA estimates that about 30,000 tons of pesticides are used on lawns each year, and many of these contain neurotoxins and carcinogens. It's estimated that 90 million pounds of petroleum-based fertilizers are used on U.S. lawns each year. Runoff from these fertilizers pollute lakes, rivers, ponds, and even coastal areas, and the excessive nutrients cause algae blooms, which eventually create dead zones in the water when they die off. The EPA also estimates that gas-powered lawnmowers produce 11 times as much pollution as a new car. Annually, we create 13 billion pounds of toxic pollutants from just mowing. And lastly, about 30 to 60 percent of fresh water in urban areas is used to water the lawn, and a lot of that is wasted as it runs off. Clearly, that is a lot of pollution. A lush green lawn is, in actuality, a wasteland for other living things. But beyond the things I just mentioned a little bit ago, which are enough reason for me to personally not want to embrace the ideal of a perfect lawn, the 40 to 50 million acres of lawn in our country take up space that could be used for food sources that are vital to native pollinators. And if we want to continue growing good food for ourselves to eat, we really do need those pollinators. Nature is so intricately interconnected in more ways than people fully understand, and certainly in more ways than I can grasp. Even if a person is coming at it from a purely selfish standpoint, they would still need the entirety of our ecosystem to be as healthy as possible, because that's the only way we can stay healthy. We simply cannot manufacture health. Now, I'm not saying we can't make medicines that are beneficial and life-saving, but those are only going to work if we have access to the very basic nourishment that can really only come from good food and soil and fresh air and water. Instead of coming at this from a stance of fear or panic and talking about why traditional lawns are bad, I would much rather focus on the wonderful benefits of having a yard full of native plants, which is something I really hope to at least begin working on for myself this fall and upcoming spring. First of all, even if there weren't any other benefits, I have never seen a yard so strikingly beautiful as one full of native plants. Seeing a space just packed with echinacea and sunflowers and milkweed and different grasses, it is so breathtaking. There are a lot of really unique native plants, including trees and shrubs, that are just exquisite. Have you ever seen a button bush in bloom? They have really unique and beautiful round white flowers, and butterflies just flock to them. Again, native plants attract many pollinators, providing them with food and shelter. When you keep native plants, they help reduce air pollution in two ways. First, there's no need to mow them, and this cuts down on a lot of the fuels being burned and excessive carbon going into the air, but also the plants remove carbon from the air and store it in their roots. These roots, which are especially deep in the case of things like prairie grasses, also increase the soil's capacity to hold water, which means these plants need less water and they improve the health of the soil. If you plant things that are native to your area, they will be overall much hardier because they have adapted to your particular environment. In addition to not needing to be watered so much, they won't need things like fertilizer or pesticides to thrive. Another huge benefit of planting native plants is that they provide a lot of biodiversity, which is a good thing. And again, they attract and nourish and provide shelter for native pollinators. 
Unlike coddling one type of non-native grass that needs to be constantly cut and essentially coated with poisons, planting a variety of native plants is a wonderful way to foster healthy, beneficial, symbiotic relationships in nature. And again, it will just provide your space with a lot of beauty. I want to acknowledge that there are certain neighborhoods that would frown upon this. It's something I struggle to understand, but somehow we've been convinced that anything other than the status quo is not good. I know a lot of people think native habitats are messy or look like a bunch of weeds or otherwise not desirable. As I said before, I have an average yard and I have no judgment for anyone who has the same. I have wanted to transition to a native landscape for years and just never had the time. And I also understand that while maintaining it should be relatively easy, getting it started may not be easy for a host of reasons. I just wanted to talk about it today and share what I know and hopefully get some discussion going, or at the very least, get some things turning in your head if this is something you have not thought about before. I'd also really love to hear from anyone who has done this or has been thinking about doing it um, or has struggled to do this because of city or neighborhood regulations or for any other reason. If you'd like to share your native plant journey with me, send me an email at mothandrustdiy at gmail.com because I am really interested. I really, really wanted to do a big collection of fall fabrics this year. I did create some new designs, so that's better than nothing. Um, And I can't be too disappointed because I really am happy with what I have. One design features jack-o'-lanterns in a sort of vintage style. It's not completely vintage, but they're really cute without being too cartoonish. So there are jack-o'-lanterns with pumpkin seeds scattered in the background, and I made them in three different colorways. One is a bright orangey kind of coral combination. The other is a more subdued um, darker orange kind of rust that has even more of a vintage feel. And the last one is a bright pink with bright lime green pumpkins on it. And again, I just really love these. Um, The print is a little bigger than I anticipated, and that's just because I didn't pay attention. Um, It it should be accurately reflected on Spoonflower, and it is. I just have this idea in my mind, I think, when I'm making it, and then it, it... It's much bigger than I think. So I will try to get actual photos of the fabric I bought um, posted hopefully soon. Then I also did a sort of stylized cotton bowl illustration. And there are three colors of those as well. One features a white cotton, one is a brown cotton, and the other is green. Then the last notable design I wanted to talk about was my mushrooms and fall foliage. This is a little more cartoony than the jack-o'-lanterns, but also kind of vintage-y. This is also in three colorways, and there is one I did of bright green and pink and purple, and it really reminds me of something from the 70s, and I really, really love it. Anyway, I will try to have these posted to the blog, but probably not before this episode comes out. So um, if you are really interested, just go to my Spoonflower, which I will link in the description. I really feel like I should do a, I know I've said this several times, but I really do want to do a Spoonflower design video or blog post or something. Um, I kind of just don't know where to start really, 
because there are a lot of aspects I could touch on. Um, so if you have questions specifically about how to design fabrics, any concerns about that, um, do let me know and hopefully that will get me even more motivated to make a video on that um, because it really is cool to make a design and see it printed on actual fabric and then make something with that. I am so glad you took the time to hang out with me today. If you have questions about anything or want to share anything or just want to browse my free patterns, <laughs> be sure to visit my blog at mothandrustdiy.com. Moth and Rust is not only my DIY blog, but it's also a line of one-of-a-kind handcrafted goods and custom bloomers, of course, fabrics, knitting patterns, and more. So be sure to take a look if you haven't yet. As always, I will include links to everything I talked about um, and all my social media pages in the show notes of this podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, I will put that in the video description. I hope you are well and staying safe and reasonably sane. And if you feel like you're not and need help with something, um, honestly, whatever it is, don't hesitate to reach out. I cannot guarantee that I can be helpful, but I would like to try my best, um, if possible, and if nothing else, just connect you with someone or some resource that might be able to help. I know it's easy to feel like you're alone sometimes, but you're really not, and I just wanted to remind you of that and let you know I am here and I am willing to listen. Anyway, I hope to speak with you again very soon. Okay, guys. <laughs> And this is the sound of my sewing machine. Sewing so many ruffles.